Hey, thanks for joining me today on this episode of the Verbal Echo Podcast. We get to listen to real people's stories of insight, grit, endurance, and maybe a little bit of I can't believe that really happened to you. I'm your host, Monica Martin. Let's get to it. Before we get started today, and I introduce my guests, I wanted to let you know that um, this next story is pretty intense. Um, only at the beginning, though. Um, it has some adult themes related to abuse and mentions uh, suicide. So it's definitely not for kids. Uh, so you might want to uh, listen to it later if you've got kids in the room. Uh, or for anyone who might be triggered by these topics. I'll provide some resources and the show links for anyone who might need help or referrals. Thanks, everyone. And I hope you get a lot out of this interview. I know I sure enjoyed meeting my next guest and hearing uh, hearing his impactful story. Uh, so my, my guest today is Sonny Von Cleveland. He's a true survivor and his story is remarkable. And definitely buckle up for this story because it's raw, but it's transformational. Sonny was incarcerated at the age of 16 for 18 years of his youth. His story is tragic and was the victim. He was the victim of multiple forms of abuse, but that didn't stop his anger and desperation from pivoting into becoming what he is today. He's an activist. He's a reentry coach for anti-recidivism coalition in LA. He's a motivational speaker, a mindset coach, the founder of a nonprofit foundation, He's an advocate for anti-bullying campaign programs and an upcoming author with a new book release. So I want to welcome my next guest. Hi, welcome everyone. I want to welcome Sonny Von Cleveland to the Verbal Echo this evening. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, yeah, I'm really excited for this conversation. Uh, You guys, Sonny's a, uh, I'm really, I'm really been looking forward to this conversation. So the first question I have is about your su- survivor experience. And I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit of about what happened to you. Um, well, there's, there's several survival stories in there. Um, we can start from the beginning, if you'd like. Uh, I was a, when I was five years old, my uncle started to molest me. Um, and over the course of the next five or six years, there was three or four other men that would molest me as well. Some of my mom's boyfriends, uh, some family friends, um, and other men in the community. Uh, I come from a very small town in Michigan. Uh, it's called Crystal and Carson City. It's kind of like two towns together. And uh, I grew up in this environment of, you know, molestation and when I was seven years old, my brother and I broke into a church and we stole some pudding cups and some playing cards. And ultimately we got caught and were charged with felonies at age seven in 1988. And I fell in love with the attention from these men, from the police, because when I got arrested, I got 60 days probation and in Montcalm County and all the men went away. The men that were molesting me, they went away. And so in my young mind, I'm thinking, okay, my mom got mad. I got the whooping of a lifetime, but the men went away. And so 
you know, mom would stay mad for a couple of days, but she's over it. And so I developed this, this propensity to break the law all the time because, you know, it keeps men away from me. And that was my, my source of, of peace and, and protection. And, and then I told my mother what my uncle was doing because, you know, predators make threats. And so I didn't say anything for a while. But when at seven is when I told, and it's it's weird because now the timeline's not going to line up here in the book. But I, I regressed some memory, I repressed some memory. Um, I told my mother when I was five, apparently, that my uncle was molesting me, and apparently my grandparents swept it under the rug and did what they could do to keep him out of jail. And so then I find out that we're continuously going over there, and. I'm still being molested. And, and then and then at age 10 is when he got caught again. I came out with it again. And then he went to prison for 15 years. And my whole family fell apart. And so the threats that he made came true, but not the way that he had threatened, obviously. You know, I'm going to have to hurt your mom. It'll hurt the whole family. And that came to pass. And so I kept my mouth shut about everything else because I see I've lost my grandparents. I've lost my cousins, my aunts, my uncles. We, we, there's no more holidays. We don't all get together. It's very, you know, constrained. And so I kept my mouth shut about everything else. And so I keep racking up these felonies. And by the time I'm 16, the judge is done with me. He's like, I'm binding you over to adult court. You're a lost cause. There's nothing I could do. And the judge in adult court didn't, wasn't playing with me at all. And he just immediately, he gave me six months in county jail for, I had stolen some money from my high school. And while I was there, a bunch of other charges for breaking into homes and stealing stuff uh, came up and they charged me as an adult and sent me to prison for two years, uh, two to five. And the first week I was in there, I was raped uh, by two dudes. And so here I am. And it, it completely sent me into this spiral of, of violence and, you know, self deprecation. I hated myself. I had no confidence. I had no compassion or empathy for anybody else. And I, I found solace in violence. I stabbed one of the guys. Um, and then that earned me a lot of respect in prison because they didn't know what they did to me. They just saw what I did to them. And so then the gangs approached me and, and started to recruit me. Uh, and then this was my safety right here is, is stabbing people. So I, I'm, and then the, that whole five years, I had to stay fi all five years. I ended up maxing it out. Cause I mean, I'm constantly in the hole. I opened one of the first uh, privatized youth facilities in Michigan. Um, and that was two years of just savagery and, and war. Uh, and then I was released when I was 21 and it was just, Again, it was a train wreck of a human being at that point. I'd been raised by these wolves. I put on so many masks that I had forgotten how to take them off. And and my life was just savagery. I was I hadn't I didn't care about anything. I didn't care about anyone. I got a couple women pregnant. And then I ended up going back in 2004 for another 12 years. And come to find out in 2008, my brother is having an affair with the mother of my oldest son, and that spiraled me again. And uh, a guy had just stolen all my stuff out of my cell and I attacked him and then they gave me five years in the hole. And so as I'm sitting in the hole, I hear this guy, hey, white boy, 
come talk to me. And I was very resistant at first. So it was, you know, it was about a week. And then I go down and I see the security classification committee and they give me the five-year sentence. Well, you're going to be in the hole for about 60 months. So get used to it. So I go back he's calling over again. And what do you want to talk about? And he says, why are you so angry? And I mean, I gave the, the surface response, right? Like I'm in prison. My life sucks. I'm in the hole. You won't shut up. That's why. And he says, no, no, no. That's not why you're angry. That's why you're mad. Mad is on the surface. Mad is a surface emotion. You're angry. And anger is deep. It cuts to your soul. You are an angry young man. And I, I didn't, I couldn't answer. And so I then had come to realize over the next course of, of a few hours, I'm musing to myself and I realize I've been a victim my whole life. That's why I'm so angry. And over the course of the next 19 months, this man changed my life. He helped me to realize about processing emotion and how to forgive myself and forgive others and, and to, to process the emotion. Uh, and, and that's where the, the metamorphosis really began for me. And I learned how to, I'm a survivor, right? I know how to survive, but now I don't, I don't, you know, one of the first books he sent me was Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. And one of the most influential sentences I've ever read was suffering ceases to be suffering the moment it has a meaning. And that hit me so hard. Like I'm not a survivor. I'm, I'm a thriver. I, I, I can thrive in the, in the world and use my experiences to help teach people that may not have a guru like I did across from the hall. And so I dedicated my life to, to helping and, and help people overcome and learn how to process that trauma. And so that's my survival story. Sounds like that man was sent to you for a reason. Absolutely. Everything happens for a reason. Yeah. Whether, however you got there, whatever path led you to that cell, he was there for a reason. Yeah. And which is why I look back on it and I'm, I, I was able to forgive my, my perpetrators because if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be who I am. Right. And so I'm able to go back and give the suffering a meaning, give it a purpose. Right. Like, while I obviously don't condone the behavior, I'm thankful that I've have been able to come through it and use the experience to help other people. Cause I mean, with the, the stigma that men have to endure of, you know, one in six boys are molested in this country and, you know, they don't talk about it because you got to be tough and, and, and they, they forgiveness is seen as a weakness. And, you know, I'm on a mission to try to help change that stigma because we're, we're human beings. We're all human beings. Everybody's a human being and, and emotion. The body tries to kick out anything that it doesn't like anything that's foreign to the body. That's why you get sick. If you have an antibody or something that comes into your, your, to your body that, it makes you sick. And it's the same thing with, with, with repressed emotion, right? That stuff, it eats at your body. It eats away at your soul. And, and your tears are the way that you let these things out. Tears are the body releasing internal things that it doesn't want in it. And you, and, and we repress it, right? That's why the suicide rate is so high amongst men. They, they, they don't let that emotion out. And so it, it's become a goal of mine to try to to change the narrative and, and allow people to see that you can feel and you can be vulnerable and you can express your emotion and it'll save your life. Right. <clears throat> what a, what a really 
uh, transformative story of trauma. I mean, not many people can go through so much trauma and come out in such a resilient place that you have found yourself. So um, when I hear the story, I just. It's, it's a, it's a lot, but you know, you, what, what choice do you have? Right. And, and, and that's the thing when you're, when you realize that your suffering can have a purpose, you're not suffering, you're defining your legacy, right? Like you're defining what, what, mark you're going to leave on the world and so you and it's all comes down to choice we have a choice you can choose to stay in your victimhood and and your your legacy becomes one of failure and one of of shame and one of embarrassment and one of of defeat or you can turn around and learn to process it let it go and your legacy becomes one of overcoming and one of triumph and one of inspiration and and it's your choice you get to choose which one of those you go through you know what i mean yeah definitely you know when when i was listening to your story i the the one thing that i really that really struck me was that you have unapologetically embraced vulnerability and you talk about authenticity in your coaching program. And I think that this vulnerability has led you to being authentic. And one of my, one of my favorite um, authors, uh, speakers is, is Brene Brown. And I don't know if you've heard any of her um, uh, work on vulnerability, but um, man, that woman is just, She's just amazing. But um, I, I instantly thought of that uh, when I was listening to your story. And we'll have to check her out. She is, oh, she's, she's got a, a humor about her. So she's completely enjoyable to listen to for one thing. Um, but she researched, she, I, I might be wrong. I, I'm pretty sure she was working on her doctoral candidate um, and researching vulnerability and shame and right. how, and they, they, they sort of tied together um, this, this feeling of shame that a lot of people have. And then she tied it into vulnerable and how it can be a, a really transforming process uh, when you're working through trauma or whatever. Um, so th- that's kind of what I was thinking about when I was hearing well, your story. And, and, and I see vulnerability as a superpower, Right. So, you know, you have this this misconception that that vulnerability is weakness and that, uh, you know, forgiveness is weakness. But we have this thing that's called a voice right? and it allows us to communicate our emotion It's the one thing that separates us from any other species on the planet. Right. Every other species on the planet can breed. It can breathe. It can bleed. It lives and dies. It processes food. It, you know what I mean? It goes through all the same stages, except we are the only ones that have a voice capable of communicating our emotion. And the more, and, and, and it's, it's healing, right? So the, the, just like a muscle, just like if you work out, when you first pick up weights, it, it tears your muscle and it hurts, right? And you're sore. But the more you do it, the easier it gets, the more you can lift, right? And the less that it hurts. And so our voice has the same capability as that. When you, it was not easy, obviously, to tell the entire world, I was raped. It's not easy 
right? Because of the shame, the embarrassment that are tied with it, the, the feeling of, of dirtiness, like I've done something wrong. But of the victim didn't do anything wrong. Right. And so when you can when you grasp that concept, that it's not it's never the victim's fault. I don't care what the circumstances are. No one should ever be violated that way. And when you talk about it, it's hard the first time. It's hard the second time. It might be hard the third, fourth, fifth, sixth time. But when you continue to talk about it, it gets easier to to talk about. The words are easier to say. You're no longer enshrouded in in shame. And it's easier to say the words. And that's called healing. It's, it's, that's the healing process. It's now easier. And the twofold goal behind that is that people that are listening to you get inspired because I mean, I've done a ton of podcasts. I've I've been interviewed a a thousand times and, and the comments are always along the same narrative. Like, wow, this is inspiring this to, to hear someone be able to be vulnerable and to be able to share. And so that's the goal. That's the effect of using your voice is someone else gets inspired and says, well, that happened to me too. And if this guy can, can talk about it, well, then I can. And, and then, then it, it comes down to image, right? Like you don't expect to see somebody that's I'm six foot six, 230 pounds, and I'm covered in tattoos with a Mohawk, right? You don't expect a guy like me to come out and talk about being raped or being violated. And, and I, I have a responsibility to use my voice to try to help people that it's happened to, to, to get over that stigma. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that, um, finding this transparency, transparency, was, and, and finding your voice is, is a way to, to heal, which is kind of what you were saying. 100%. It's like part of the process, part of, part of the process of acceptance. And, um, you know, you were saying, and uh, I was looking at your website and you were talking about, um, the acceptance part of using your, like, you can't change your past. It, it is what it is. Like it, it's out there. You can't go back. We can't go back in time, unfortunately. So you can use that as an opportunity to say, okay, this was an obstacle, but I'm here and I'm doing it and I'm, I can move forward and I can, and I have this ability to create a ripple effect sure. for other people. That might, you know, yeah. Sure. And it's, it's, it's the conquering that fear that empowers you, right? Because it's, it's, it's scary to, to, to come out and do that, especially with complete strangers. So you'll see people that are like, I just can't talk about it. I just can't talk about it. And that's, that's the, the overwhelming fear that is keeping them from speaking the words. And so we have to empower people to, conquer that fear to realize that nothing is going to happen to you. If you say it, the worst thing that's going to happen if you speak the words is you're going to cry. And then everybody who's ever cried before knows after you cry, you feel fantastic. <laughs> that's because it's the body kicking out that negative crap that, that weighs it down and the body doesn't want it. And so, and that's where that internal struggle comes from is from the body wanting to expunge the, the painful things that it's holding inside and the external image and ego that doesn't want to be ashamed or embarrassed. So these two entities are fighting each other and it causes so much damage internally inside the body, both physically and mentally. And then people get stuck. And so when we, when we, if we can cultivate a, 
a, a mindset that it's okay to share these things, that it's not your fault and it's not embarrassing or shameful to admit when something has been done to you. I think we can really have a breakthrough in, in mental health, right? I think people can, you know, the people that are stuck in this, these years long depressions and the way you can dig yourself out of it is speaking, talk to your, you know, talk about it and it heals. Right. Yeah. Um, I myself have done, uh, you know, when you were just speaking, I was thinking about the problem that we have with mental health going on right now. Uh, suicide. I've done uh, suicide skills intervention training. And it was one of the most and I and I personally have lost someone very dear to me to suicide. So, you know, I, I don't have a problem talking about that now. And going through that training uh, allowed me to sort of um, put it in its place. And so now once I, since I've done that training, I've actually done two interventions nice. and an intervention and an intervention can be just having a conversation with someone and, and saying, are you thinking about suicide? Not sure. sugarcoating it because I promise you, if if someone is thinking about it, you are not going to give them the idea. They are thinking every single day, today, I'm here and I'm alive. Tomorrow, I might not be. So, but the more exposure that we can have uh, and train people in these interventions, um, and an intervention can be a five-minute conversation with someone and you've helped them live another day. 100%. And in the end, that's their, that's a personal choice. Uh, it's, it's a personal, it's a very spiritual choice if they choose not to, but, um, you know, that's just from my own experience, it, it got really personal with me, uh, having to help someone through that for several years. And, um, it's, um, it, it, if you don't have the skills, it can be really, um, it can be devastating. 100%. Sure. And, and if they follow through, then you're going to internalize that and you're going to feel like you failed. And, and, and it's, it's a, it, it, there's, it's a sad, sad situation to get into that topic because there's also people that abuse it, right? There's also people that have no intention of actually ending their own life, but they portray that simply to get the attention because they don't know how to articulate the actual emotion that's going on in their life to heal because it's so scary to come out of this comfort zone that we've, we build around ourselves. We get so comfortable even with some pain, right? Because we, we know what to anticipate. We know how to anticipate the pain that's coming like the pain of loneliness or the pain of, of feeling empty. At least, you know, what it feels like and you know, what's coming. So it's, it's safer to stay in that little, that little box where that pain exists because you know how to anticipate that pain and you know how to deal with it. And unfortunately, a lot of people deal with it through drugs or alcohol. And it's in that escapism that they use in that box to, to get away and alleviate that pain. And that's where you get addictions that come in. And, and then you have the people that actually have the problem that are just so overwhelmed by that pain that they don't know the answer and the pain is so overwhelming that they don't know how they don't know how to express it. They don't know how to, to process it and they, and they don't know how to make it go away. And those are the ones that end up taking their own lives. And it's such a shame because that's the one I promise you, if you were able to ask any one person that ever took their own life, they would regret it the moment they did it. But like I would take it back in a heartbeat. Absolutely. Because it's, the, 
You know the story of the guy that jumped from the Golden Gate Bridge and he survived. And the yeah. minute he said the minute he took, you know, the minute he stepped off, he knew that he had made a mistake. Yep. At the the second. And he somehow by a miraculous miracle, he survived. And now he you know, I think he was in, he made a movie and he's just, he's just been a huge advocate for uh, mental health. And the unfortunate side is that we have a society and, and media that thrive off chaos and thrive off negativity. Like these should be the people that are at the forefront of your five o'clock news, right? The people that are are doing something positive for the world that are helping people like the guy that jumped off the bridge. Like this guy should be on the five o'clock news every night because there are millions of people that are contemplating suicide. And, and instead of talking about what Trump did or what, you know, what any, and I don't get into politics. I don't do politics. I don't do religion, but instead of highlighting these things that, that don't really matter in the, in the overall existence of human beings we 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 don't we should we absolutely should i think there's there's survivors out there that these should be the people that we spotlight and it's sad right it's 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 a sad thing i think using our voice like we are today um and i think that's why podcasting has has become such a grassroots effort to communicate with each other sure because our society has gotten so you know, bombarded by selected media that, you know, we're, we're not able to control, but, but podcasting is a way for us to raise our voice and no, you're not going to, you're not going to agree with every person out there that's got a message, but that's the point. You have to find the people, you have to find your people, you have to find your voice, you have to find what you want to listen to. And that's how we share information. So. And and it's out there. There's, there's so much information available so many podcasts and things that are available and and the growing popularity in podcasting shows the human desire to learn and to to change and to heal and to find mechanisms with which to make their lives better right and and the truth of it all is that it, it's completely possible you can manifest the life that you want and, and live the life of your dreams whatever life you want in a and at the drop of a hat they can turn around in a day you're not going to be able to just turn around and manifest a million dollars but if you if you want a million dollars and you want that life and that's that's what your goal in life is you can learn to take the steps towards that goal and you'll get it at some point you know when you're ready and when the earth is ready to give it to you the universe you're going to have it and and that's you just have to go in with that belief you have to believe 100% that anything I can conceive and believe I can achieve. Albert Einstein. Absolutely. Oh, I love that, man. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, you know, he yeah. failed a thousand times before he ever came up with a light bulb. Right? People think that they beat themselves up over failure. And failure is the way to success. Right. Yeah. Oh, such great wisdom. Um, the, wow. You know, and you were talking about... Um, this Muslim man that you met that was your mentor and he taught you and coached you on forgiveness. And I'm wondering if you could share a little bit more about that. And were you able to keep in touch with him or 
No. So, I mean, it's it's a sad set of circumstances, but it's prison politics at the end of the day. Um, so he is a Mobite um, and a part of a specific group of Muslims um, that it's more like a gang. Right. And so it's not really it's not about religion. It, it It's based off of religion, but it's a prison gang at the end of the day. And I was also in a gang. And so we actually came from conflicting sides and we never, we never talk. We're the only reason we're talking and that you're even talking to me is because we're at the end of this hallway in the hole across from each other. And we're all we got. There's nothing else here. Right? So it's just you and me. The rest of the guys are down there and it's, it's, you can barely hear them when they're yelling. And when you do want to talk to somebody down there, you have to yell at the top of your lungs and nobody can carry on a conversation that way. And so out of loneliness and necessity, this relationship unfolded. Uh, But he was very clear. We're not friends, right? Like when we get out of here, you see me in the yard, you see me in GP, don't come up shaking my hand. Don't give me hugs. Don't say thank you. Don't, we're not friends, right? Take it for what it is, you know, and he's, you're going to get out someday. I've gotten, he's got natural life. He's never getting out. And, and he was through you. I am able to use the knowledge and wisdom I've learned to maybe help somebody in the world. So I'm helping you because I believe that you will go on to help other people. And through him, his life legacy will be to help other people. And, and the whole point of it is not accolades. It's not to get accolades or to get recognition for the help that you've done. And that was a lesson that he's teaching me as he's teaching me without actually saying it, right? Like I know that any help that I do in the world is attributed to Mallory. It's attributed to this man because he taught me and that's going to go in his karma bank, Right. So when it, when he comes to the end of his earthly life and whatever happens beyond this, because none of us know, there's not been one person that's gone there and come back, and say, so this is what happened. Figured it out. <laughs> right. Wherever he goes, this is in his bank. Every single thing that I accomplish or anybody that I help goes into his karma bank. And I, I'm honored that I get to do that. Right. And so and that, that kind of butterfly effect also inspires me so that. Anybody that I might teach, somebody might dive into all of my stuff and and learn from me and go on to heal millions of people. That would be absolutely fantastic. And I, I wouldn't even know about it. But, you know, when I go on to Valhalla or wherever we go, I, I hope that, you know, I've put enough in the bank to make recompense for the wrong that I've done. Yeah, you're tapping into the collective unconscious consciousness. Sure. Yeah, universal knowledge, universal wisdom. Um, it's there, and however yeah. we however we can tap into it, if it's through another person, um, you know, like someone like yourself or, or your mentor, then it's there. And just by spreading it, you create that the butterfly effect. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, and, I love and it's that. just it takes the same amount of energy to live a good, positive, inspirational, happy life as it does to live a negative one. And the payout is so much more rewarding, right? Like you you get to live a life that you want to live. And Jim Carrey said it best, right? Like I, I never realized, I grew up idolizing Jim Carrey. I thought he was just amazing. And it wasn't until recently that I've discovered 
what a deep thinker this man is and, and, you know, how, how deep he goes. And, and he talks about his father and his father had, you know, a job that he hated, but he wanted to keep the family together. So he, he took that job and, and kept it. And Jim Carrey learned from that, that you can fail at doing something you hate. So why not fail at doing something you love? And to me, that was, you know, when I, as I'm getting out of prison after 18 years and 35 felonies, they're telling me the most you can hope for is a supervisor job at a factory. You know, you should be thankful for that. And I had lined up a union job because uh, I was married at the time. And I had a union job doing demolition when I got out to get to. And they were all like, oh, my God, you are such a lucky inmate. You know, most inmates don't get that opportunity and you should be so thankful. That'll be the best job that you'll ever get. Don't mess that up. And the whole time I'm like, you're you are literally just a suppressive people. That's all you are. You're just because I don't accept that. Right. I don't accept that I have to go break my back in a laborious job for the rest of my life and hope to collect a pension someday. It doesn't work like that. Right. Like I can do anything I want to do. I could do anything in this lifetime I want to do. Right. That's true freedom when you when true you're freedom. given something. And that and that's just, you know, someone else's expectations that, oh, you should be really thankful that you have this shitty union job. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and you're, and you're right. thinking, you know, I want to do so much more. I have so, so much, much wisdom more. I want to share. And, and not only that, I, I and not only that, I think everybody should have that mentality because it's not about even doing something inspirational. It's about doing what you want to do. You should do something that is not work, something that you're passionate about, something you could do every day, all day, and it and you never get tired of it. That's passion. Right. And then there's always a way to monetize that. And when, when money is not the the driver of your life, money's going to come. Right. Money will show up regardless. If you are putting your passion. I know a girl out here who grew up. She's she's out here in the Coachella Valley and she is just infatuated with tie dye and like infatuated with it, has been infatuated her whole life. And just put all her efforts into making tie-dye outfits. And now she has this massive tie-dye store that's out here in the Coachella Valley. And it's a booming, amazing business. And she spends her days just making tie-dye uniforms. And she's so happy. And her, her, she's the happiest person you've ever met. You meet her, she's all smiles. She's all happy. Bad things might happen. And she just is like, yeah, but, you know, life is good. <laughs> right. And that's, that's the awesome. beauty of doing what you want in life and, and pursuing a life of purpose is that even when bad things happen, you can accept them and just say, you know what? It's a part of this human experience. And it is what it is. You know, I'll mourn the loss or I'll 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 take care of the debt. I'll whatever it has to be done. I'm going to get back to the business of living my purpose and then everything's OK. I love that. And I, I always tell people money is energy. And it just, it's a tool and it flows through you, but, but you, you only hold on to it for a little while and then you have to let go of it. So it's, it's energy, you know, and whatever your energy is, you're, if you're in that space of you're receiving and you're accepting and you're open and you're open to it, but if you, then it will come to you. If you're in a scarcity mindset, if you're, uh, you know, if you've been told, you know, money doesn't grow on trees and, you know, you, we, we were told all these lies about money, then 
you're closed off to it coming to you in a um, in a supportive, uh, beneficial way that helps you achieve the things that you need to make yourself happy and to help others and to you know so it's it's energy and the reality is also that money is doesn't come to you if you're not prepared for it and 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 it's not it's not a rule it's not like a matter of fact it doesn't because you see lottery winners that win 200 million dollars and then five years later they're piss poor broke or dead or have lost everything or bankrupt because they weren't prepared to receive it and so you can ask the world for wealth. And if you're not prepared to receive it, you're not going to get it. And even if you do get it, you lose it. You have to be prepared. And so you should live every day of your life with the belief that it's coming. I, I just have to find, I just got to pick it up. It's coming anyway. And prepare yourself to have that wealth. And then you're going to find it, right? And the, the sad part is that most people are just... They look at their expenditures versus their income. And that is what drives their every motion of every day. They look, well, I got to make this much to cover the light bill. I got to make this much to cover the car payment. And they just, you don't spend any time focusing on what makes you happy. Right. Yeah. It's such an important lesson to think about. Yeah, for sure. sure. Um, so I want to, You've got, so you've got a pretty cool website. Uh, you've got a book release coming out. Um, you've got a podcast that's coming up and I really, first, can you tell us about your book? I, man, you guys, I watched his YouTube video before we started recording and I had to grab like three Kleenexes. I thought I was going to cry. <laughs> it's just so, such no, a great video. <laughs> We'll post it's a link. little rough. Yeah. I, um, so I shot that with the Palm Springs Police Department. I've become great friends with the chief of police, who's just an amazing human being. His name's Andy Mills. Just an amazing, amazing person. Um, and so we shot that in the Palm Springs uh, jail. And then I, 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 the rest of the video was shot with my Building Better Men team. We have a... Um, an Indio juvenile hall team uh, comprised of former LA Clippers chaplain and retired military Robert Cummings. We call him Coach C. Uh, and a few other individuals, all ex military, ex uh, corrections officers, and ex parole officers. And we go into the juvenile facilities a couple times a month to try to mentor to the juveniles to, you know, use our experiences to try to help straighten their path up. And, uh, and we shot that out there and the video, I just, I think the trailer is really impactful. And I, I wanted to, I wanted to shoot a trailer for the book because I mean, let's face it, nobody knows who I am. And so the, there's promotional steps that you have to take in order to get you what you're trying to get out out. And so I thought that it would be more impactful if we had some visual. And and then I just I cried every time I watched the video for the first 10 times I watched it. My wife and I are sitting there and it's like, yep. oh, my God, it's a tearjerker, <laughs> right? Like the moment the, the moment the color comes in and the black and white, the kinds of or the, the desaturated goes away and I, I hug the cop. It's like 
Oh, oh. my God. Oh, oh uh, so and good, so, you guys. But oh. I think it, it really encapsulates what the book is about. And so the book is more, you know, you see a lot of like motivational speakers and, and coaches and stuff that they come in with the seven tips and the 12 keys and the, the 13 magical finger motions and, <laughs> exactly. and all these other special formulas Jazz that are designed. <laughs> right. The, these things that are designed to change your life, right? Like if you cut your fingernails with the clippers upside down, it's different. And, and I don't, I don't do that. Right. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to tell you what to do. This is, this book is my journey through my life, the experiences that I've had and how I went through it, the mindset I was in, how, and I mean, I'm very raw and vulnerable in this whole thing. Like I've done bad things. I've cheated on my exes. I've, you know, I haven't been a great father. I've, you know, done just bad stuff. And I admit to these things. I own all of them because that's authenticity, right? I have to be vulnerable. And if, if, because change is, is possible for anybody, right? And I, I'm trying to, the whole story is, is, is basically, it's, it's a guidebook that you can take what you can from it and leave what you can't. Right. Like if, if there's something in there that you have a similar situation and, and maybe it can help you. It's just my story of my life and how I did it. And I hope that it serves as an inspiration for people. It serves as a warning and an inspiration. And that's, that was the goal from the outset. I never wanted to be that guy. That's like, you got to do this. You have to do that. You have to do, you don't have to do anything. Right. The only thing you have to do is like eat and die. Because, right? you know, and so that that was the whole goal behind the book. And the book goes from literally it was it, writing while it's happening. Right. So my wife and I started this book a, a couple months ago and the end of the book is literally what's happening in the moment. Right? Like we're and it, it's 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 crazy to see your life in a book. It really is. Um, and. It's just I'm very humbled for, by the experience, and, and I read the book, and it's it's it feels like watching somebody else's life, right? It's pretty crazy. Yeah, wow. Uh, so the book is called Hey White Boy, and um, had just a thirty second. What what is that from? That was the Your first story? thing Mallory said to me in the hole. I was I was standing, and that's what he said to me every day for a week until I finally talked to him. He would call over, Hey White Boy. Come talk to me. And it's funny because as I'm leaving the whole, the very last thing I've ever said to Mallory Bay was, hey, I hate it when you call me white boy. It's disrespectful. It's racist. It's mean. I don't like it. And he said, all right, white boy. <laughs> and all I could do, all I could do was laugh. I'm like, yeah, this guy, he's just got a great heart. Right. And while you exist in, and he has to exist in this world, right. You see, he's stuck here for the rest of his life. And so just by survival, he is chosen to be who he is. And, right. but there's a kindness to him. There's an innate kindness that he has in inside of him. And it was, it touched my life. It, it changed me. Yeah, that's such a great story. I'm I'm excited to check this book out when it when it's out. When it when so when is it going to be released? September first. I you know what? It's oh. my first time. It's my first book, and so I don't I did I don't know how or what we're doing. Right, we're self published, right? and so we're we're my wife and I are sitting there like, okay, what do we do? And so I've got the ebook, the Kindle book, 
that link is already up. You can pre-order the the Kindle version of the book. And now that we have the author proof and everything in there, we're like, well, where's the link to order the book? <laughs> like, well, how do small. I get this out? And and so we've gone yeah. back and we've we've realized that we ordered the author proof of the book. Oh. And until we get that and then go back into Amazon and say, okay, I approve it. Then you'll get the link and you people could pre-order the book. And I'm like, yeah, but it's like two weeks from launch. <laughs> I thought the goal was to try to get as many pre-sales as possible, but nobody can pre-order the book, so my pre-sales are going to suck. And at the end of the day, my goal is not to sell a gazillion books. I don't, I'm not, I, I, and so I don't, you know, I've had a, several people that are coming in like, oh, you're doing this all wrong. You're doing this all wrong. You're not promoting it properly. You're not, you're not, you're not focused on pre-sales. I'm not focused on pre-sales, my guy. That's not my goal. My goal is not to try to make money off the story. I own businesses to make money. I work for money. I don't, this is not the goal. The goal of this is to just put this story out there for anybody that might come across it. I mean, I'm going to give a ton of them away. <laughs> I'm just trying right. to yeah. get somebody, give somebody some perspective, right? It's part of your healing journey to write that Facts. and to get the story out. And if someone wants to get it, then they can be a part of that ripple. Yeah, it's really 100%. cool. Um, and then, so I wanted to have you, exp uh, so your, your website's really cool. Um, you've got a couple of different coaching programs. You've got, um, it's mindset coaching. You've got one-on-one -on -one with you or your wife. Um, and then you got a self-directed program. So if you could tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So the choice effect, well, the history of Itopia is, so Itopia means individual utopia, right? Because we're all trying to achieve. Have you ever seen, ah, I forget the name of the movie, uh, Lost Horizon? Is that the name of the movie? About Shangri-La? I don't think so. Oh, you have to see that. I, I believe it's called <laughs> I, I Lost Horizons. I think I even have the book. Um, now I got to write know, this down. I, I know I have the book somewhere, but they made a movie out of it as well. And okay. it's it's called Lost Horizons. Um, wait, hold up. Is it here? No. Ah! He's digging. No, see, now I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm one track minded. Um, it's I think it's called The Lost Horizon, uh, but it's about Shangri-La. And Shangri-La is this place that existed in the middle of the mountains. And it's just beautiful. It's it's kindness is the compass. And so that's where the focus is for what we do with our mindset coaching is, is teaching people kindness. Itopia comes from individual utopia. We're all trying to inside develop this utopia that we live in in our minds because it's free and that's where happiness resides and so i it was created by my wife um she used to work for a fortune 100 company and she started to suffer panic attacks um during working for this company and she she quit uh and started this company and then when her and i met and got together I, I went through the program. I, I went through the program that she had and I saw like, okay, this is corporate. This is designed for corporate uh, to help people in a VUCA world and, and try to deal with the corporate burnout and the stress of, of being in corporate life. And, and I'm like, we need to make some tweaks to this. And, and cause this is incredible. Uh, and I bring my experience of incarceration and the depression side and everything that I've had to deal with the survival mentality and let's put that together and create one ultimate curriculum that will just help people help people get out of the rut that they're in. 
And so that's where the choice effect was born. And that's how the choice effect came into existence. So it's a 12 week, eight module self-directed program. It does come with the option of one-on-one coaching, uh, which I think is the best way to apply it. Um, because it's, it's, Again, it's over 12 weeks. Each week it has, and a couple of the modules are designed to be a little bit longer, but it starts off by finding where you're at in life. We discover your baseline. Where are you at in your life right now? There's, you're not getting any answers and solutions in, in the first day, in the first week, right? And then, and then we just delve through the past 12 months of your life and we delve through the more totality in your life. And then we learn how to, to set goals. We learn how to eliminate self-sabotaging behaviors. We learn how to, to build empowering habits and make habits become characteristics and make those characteristics become personalities. Because when you develop positive habits, that's who you become, right? It takes 66 days to develop a habit. And the more you do a habit, it becomes a characteristic. And then that characteristic becomes a personality and that personality becomes who you are. So if you can learn, it's like tying the little string on your finger. Remember this? We were just talking about this the other day. Remember like when you were a kid, you used to tie a finger, even a young adult, you would tie a string around your finger to remember. So then you go to sleep and you wake up and your fingers all black and blue, like, oh man, oh, that's right. I did that yeah. because blah, blah, blah. And so developing mindset is pretty much the same path. It's a daily process. You develop a morning routine. You know what I mean? Spend 10 minutes in silence, 10 minutes meditating, 10 minutes reading, and 10 minutes ingesting something good. And and you make it a habit. And then you set your day off for success. And then we, we give tangible tools in here of how to dominate your own mind. And then that just becomes who you are. And so that you end up living a really freeing life. You set big hairy ass goals and smash them, <laughs> develop a goal smashing mindset, learn how to, to win at everything. And, and, and it can start with something so small as adhere to your little 30 minute morning routine because that starts your day off and with success. And then you develop a winning mindset. And so that's what the choice effect is all about. It's, it's about how you develop these habits and, and put them into play. And it's, it's, I think it's super beneficial. I am a byproduct of mindset coaching. And so I, I know the impact that this program can have on people. And then that is the, the whole basis of the Von Cleveland Foundation, the nonprofit that I've, I've just established, is to disseminate this to people that can't afford it. Because the people that can't afford it are the ones that need it the most, right? Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, so you started a nonprofit called the Von Cleveland Association. What was Foundation. it? Von Foundation. Yep. Uh, and you also do some, uh, a lot of community stuff. You, you're um, involved in this organization called, is it Boo to Bullying? Boo, Boo, to, bullying. Boo to Bullying. That's a we have our <laughs> annual kick bullying to the curb uh, event coming up at the end of September where we're doing a, bringing out some celebrities and, and, and other uh, ambassadors and kids. And we'll be having a kickball tournament and doing some speaking engagements and, and all of that wonderful stuff. What town is that in? Uh, right here in Palm Springs. Oh, nice. Okay. And you then you're going to hate me. <laughs> I have 10% battery left on my. Oh, left okay. Perfect. It. Um, well, that's a great time. We can wind up then. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, crap. I'm so sorry. No, it's all good. You might have to cut that out of the. Oh, no. No, that's life, you know? It is life. It's authenticity, (laughs) right? Authenticity. authenticity. Uh, but yeah. So I, you know, um, we'll sum up here. I'm, I'm going to put all the links to Sonny's, uh, content and his, 
uh, programs and his video. Everyone, make sure you watch his video. It's uh, for his book release. It's really powerful. Monica, Let's get it out. I Let's get it out so there. Thank you so much and greatly appreciate you. And thank you so much <laughs> for having me. And I look forward to, to talking to you more. And yeah. And staying in contact, like let's heal the world. It takes a village, right? Teamwork makes e the dream work. Exactly. Yeah. So let's let's spread the video around everyone. And I just want to say thank you so much to Sonny for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. I look forward to doing it some more. Maybe we can jump into some more things that are coming. Uh, yeah, we do absolutely. it after the book releases. We can talk about it even more. Yes, absolutely. Let's do that. Okay. Thanks, Sonny. Thank you. Thanks for joining me today and listening to another amazing story. So I've got a pretty big announcement. I have an online program coming up. It's self-paced, so you can fit it into your own schedule. We're going to explore the three layers of healthy boundaries, tapping into intuition, and dive into making habits that stick. And I want you to jump on over to my website and get on the wait list if you're wondering what it's all about. It's an online printable workshop, super affordable and self-paced. So the way to find it is to head on over to my website at www.mountainenergywellnesscoaching.com and search for the Bold Boundaries tab. And right there, you can get your email and name on the contact form. And uh, I'll be uploading a separate short little introduction on this podcast, going into more details of the program in a few weeks. Be sure and hit that subscribe or follow button wherever you listen to great pod content. It sure helps my efforts to grow and get these stories out there. I'd love it if you could tell a friend about this show and share it with anyone who might be interested. And you can find any links mentioned in the show notes below. We have some great guests coming up in the next few weeks to finish up season one, which will be winding down in, in October. Uh, but season two is going to be super fun. We're going to start diving into the unusual and strange. We're looking for strange encounter stories, experiencers, and all things odd. So if you'd like to be on the show and have a story you'd like to share, reach out to me by sending an email to verbalecho at gmail.com. Our music is Funk Beats by Ecolix, and you can find them on Audio Jungle. I'll catch you next time around. See you soon.